Welcome to It's All Fine and Dangy, where we talk about community, health, culture, and all of the big and little things that make life good. Here are your hosts, Dan and Angie. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 20. 20. Yes, we are so excited for this month. It is... The music's still going. It's always going. Like it goes that. that long? It does. Wow. How come I just noticed that? that because really it's weird. our 20th episode. Okay. Now that I interrupted because I got dis- distracted by the music, episode 20, and it is our hashtag month of teachers. It is. It's time to meet the teachers. That's right. So we are going to meet teachers from all different, I want to say grade levels, but what is it? Like Walks of periods life. of education. Periods of education. Does that sound right? Um, Stages of education? Sure. Levels of education? Oh, that's better. Levels? (laughs) Well, look, we're only one sip into the coffee. That's right. So I'm going to raise my microphone up a little bit right there. I'd love to make it sound like we really got our stuff together right now, but between the lack of coffee and the fact that I'm, (laughs) I'm suffering from like a weird sinus head cold, allergy, something. So I'm going to be flaky this episode, just to warn you. Oh, well, that's going to be fun <laughs> since I'm normally the flaky one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So we're excited. Um, I would like to say that we have our teachers in order that by the levels, I but can, yeah, scheduling didn't work out like that. But we do have teachers from elementary, middle school, high school, and even a college professor. Ooh, so I'm excited. That's going to be fun. Yeah. It has been fun. And you know what I, I was thinking? It was great to do a meet the teachers because we're always so focused on the kids and the school shopping and right. the supplies needed and yep. back to school clothes. And, you know, kids are getting all, you know, revved up for back to school. The teachers are getting revved up too. That's a great point. Nobody ever thinks about what the teachers are going through. And they're going through it, buddy. They're yeah. really... Let's let's be honest. They don't really take their summer off. I mean, I know they agreed. are, you know, getting their curriculum together for the year, and they're doing shopping throughout the spending their own money. Yeah, throughout the summer when they find sales and stuff. And I thought this would be a a great way to kind of start school off thinking about what the teachers are going through. I love it. And as we talk to the teachers, we will um, ask them how you can help parents can help. The community can help as well. Yeah. Once school gets back going. That's awesome. I think it's one of the most underappreciated jobs out there in terms of pay rate, in terms of respect. Yeah. So, I think that and police officers. Yeah. You know, I think two, those of the, are the two, two of the jobs <laughs> that I think deserve the most of both of, of course, those things, which I think we, we would all agree on that. Yeah. So we had uh, an eventful weekend. Indeed. You had some things you did. I yeah. had some things I did separate well, yeah, from we kinda, you. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> we did our separate stuff this we weekend out of, out of necessity. Yeah, so on Sunday I went and helped out um, with Bags of Hope because you were doing something. I'll let you tell what you were doing in yes, a minute. Yes, I would have loved to have gone to the Bags of Hope thing just yeah. for the record. It was pretty cool. It was not the normal event like like she sets like a they set up down there. Right. But we just went there to kind of let the kids play, blow, you know, had a little bubble thing, some books for them to, you know, to pick up in the little book station and and take to to read. Right. And just did a little obstacle course. They could win prizes. Was, this like was that. also the back to school thing for them, right? 
Wasn't this the... This uh, wasn't the back to school thing. We did bring the goodie bags that um, we did some goodie bags up and um, My Favorite Things did some goodie bags up. So we did pass some of those out to the kids or going back to school. You got you. But they'll get back to their regular monthly event there starting next month. I got you. I I guess I was referring to like the goodie bags that were were brought out to the kids. That was... Yeah, we did bring some of those out. Yeah. Some of of that stuff was school related or Yeah. Well, there was another group there that was setting up from two to four. We were there from 12 to two and there was another group setting up from two to four. Right. They had a bunch of tents, a a bounce house, a bunch of activities for the kids, a DJ. I mean, it was really cool. They had hundreds of backpacks filled with school supplies. Oh, that's great. Brand new backpacks. Well, and it was amazing. So there's no competition there. That is no that is competition all that we're gonna be collabing with them. Oh very actually. nice. Do so, we want to mention the name of the place yet or hold off on um, it? Um hold off on that until you I find it. out from um Rhonda and Mark if they want us to, you know, announce that. Sure. And possibly even, you know, do an interview with that other group. Oh, would be excellent. Yeah. Sounds oh, good. Sorry, made no, noise. No, it's fine. And then we watched a remake of a movie that I loved, one of my scary movies that I loved when I was little. Oh, me too. Or younger, whenever I, it I came did. out. I love the original version of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes remakes are cool to watch, but you compare them too much, I think. Yeah. To- We're talking about Pet Cemetery. Yeah, Stephen Pet King. Cemetery. The original was hard to beat. And, you know, I, as an artist, I hate to sort of dump all over other artists in, yeah. in a negative way. And someone pointed that out to me recently. Garrick pointed that out when yeah. I was like tearing Game of Thrones apart. And he had a really great point. And that you you don't, we can tease at it, but you really don't have to just tear it apart no. because somebody put their blood, sweat, and tears into it. Of course. Even if, even if my feeling is it wasn't the writers of the last season yeah. of Game of Thrones, but you know, there's a lot of people, actors and the People setting up the sets and the list goes on and on. Oh yeah. So I, I guess I it think was about good. It. Yeah. It's just to me compared to the first one, it wasn't yeah. as uh, good. I'm in agreement with you. What but you that what could did... be the stage I was in my life when I watched it. Maybe I really got scared at that time period I, in maybe, my life. Maybe Whatever right. it may be. It was know? a totally different spin. Yeah. Totally different ending. Totally different spin. Yeah. And we we don't spoil things here. But what didn't you like without spoiling? Is that hard to say? Um, the ending. Yeah, just mostly the ending? Yeah, I liked it up to a certain point. And I was like, oh yeah, they're kind of taking this someplace different. I do like that they did some different things in there than the original. But yeah, I I liked the original ending. Yeah, I did too. And I wonder if I would have liked the movie. Just like you said, I wonder if I hadn't seen the other one. And I think... um, if you haven't seen the original Pet Cemetery, I don't know how well it's aged or, you know, sometimes movies yeah. don't age very well, but we should go back and watch it. We really should. I feel like we watched it a few years ago with Rachel, but, um, to me, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but I might mention some things that are in the trailers to both of them. But to me, the cat in the first one, Church, yeah, was really scary. It was like a short-haired cat. And I don't know if the rules were different with animals back then because this animal, he would like put his ears back and hiss. And you could tell this cat was upset. <laughs> and I don't know if they did something to the cat in the first one that they weren't allowed to do in the second oh, one. But that could be. Second cat wasn't so mean. A little bit of CGI cat. You know, they're doing yeah. what they, and it just wasn't a scary cat that was part of it the first one I remember thinking oh. I wouldn't be able to sleep with that cat in my house <laughs> so it started from yeah. there for me oh and I don't know if this will give anything away but the way they spelled cemetery oh it's like that in both of them 
Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's like that in the book because the kids, this is also not a spoiler, but you know, the kids made the pet cemetery and yeah. that's why they spell it. It's like if you're looking to rent or buy this, it's spelled like S E M E T A R Y. Um, but yeah. I, I still think it's watchable. I just, yeah. it wasn't, uh, I think I had higher expectations because of the first one. Those are really hard shoes to fill, though. Yeah. You know, and I, you talked about the Bags of Hope thing. I was unable to go because of my daughter's, uh, the premiere of the play was this past mm-hmm. weekend. That was and is the fairy tale misfits at Mimi's Community Theater. Oh, and you picked up a little job from that, uh, from the weekend of watching that play. What little job? Your little commercial you did for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so Rachel was so sad. Like, we went out there Friday and uh, we're ready to do the show Friday night. She was, she'd been up all night with a fever. She tried so hard, but right 30 minutes before show, show time, she was just about to come apart as far as feeling sick. So, Mimi and the team had to pivot. Lorraine had to pivot. And yeah. uh, props to the team for being able to bring someone else in. But long story short, Rachel's premiere, her premiere acting was on Saturday. She did a great job. The whole cast did a great job. It was really funny. You were there. We it, we were cracking up. But yeah. um, Sunday when I went back for the show, uh, I recorded a bunch of footage from the show, put it together, put a trailer together. Lorraine's been sharing it like crazy. Someone's been sharing it like crazy. But there were almost 3,000 views of it before we started the podcast here. So Wow. I didn't know it went up that much. It It, it, was like 2,000 when you told me. I know. Well, when she posted, when Lorraine posted 1,700 people have watched that trailer, I thought, no, 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 there's something not reporting right. And then I went out and looked at it and she was absolutely right. So very exciting, but very cool. Hopefully, um, you know, it's getting out to some of the people that are listening here, because if you guys haven't seen a play ever or in a while i'm telling you this one really impressed me i know it impressed angie it's a lot and and, you know i thought it was going to be pretty good but you know i was going to go to support rachel regardless i was really impressed at just how funny it is how well put together how good the actors do and comedic timing is is arguably one of the hardest things to do and it is genuinely very funny so and i've seen it twice now where they had a little hiccup and they went with it yeah they're really good at that. Oh, they're just amazing. And so uh, now having seen it twice, it's equally as good every time. And uh, your very last chance to see this play is next weekend at Mimi's Community Theater. So it's going to be playing this coming Friday. And let's see, this is this podcast is being recorded on the 6th. So you'll seven, the 8th is when you'll listen to it. So tomorrow... That is the Friday tomorrow. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, that will be the 9th of August 2019, in case you're listening to this years from now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But so that Friday night at 8, Saturday night at 8, and then Sunday during the day is a matinee show at 2 p.m. It's been not a full house, but a pretty full house so far. So please get your tickets. You'll put a link on there for that as well. Yeah, I will put a link on there. And I guess I didn't silence my iPad. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, I'll put a link on there, but uh, it's about a two hour show with a little break in the middle of about 10 or 15 minutes. Very inexpensive. I think tickets are like 15, 14, 15 bucks. And it it all goes to a nonprofit. It all does go go to her nonprofit. And uh, I just think you'll really enjoy it. The cast are great. You get to meet the whole cast when it's over. You know, as you're walking out the door, they all line up and uh, really, really fun. Really excited. And that, but long and the short of it is that's why I had to miss the Bags of Hope event. Yeah. And that was really what I spent my whole weekend doing. I know what else I've been working on. Making the ribbons, the gold ribbons. Oh, that's right. 
been a little challenging, not going to lie, because I'm trying to make them big and, and look a certain way. Really look, you know, like impactful yeah. on the on the doors of the businesses in the community and even houses. Yep. So I do have my friend Mindy is going to help with that tomorrow because yep. she's creative. So we're going to see if we can get the final prototype done. Yeah. And then we are going to be going out and um, hitting up local businesses to to see how they want to participate in the Golden Warrior so Festival. Can, yeah, so we can turn a popka gold. Turn a pa- hashtag, turn a popka gold. And that is the that is the childhood awareness cancer event coming up in the first part of September in the parking lot of Beefo Brady's. We're going to mention that every episode between now and the event itself and then even throughout September after the event we're going to keep trying to turn a popka gold to raise awareness. So That's right. That's and important stuff. I do want to give a shout out to Veronica um, oh, indeed. And, yes. Yeah. She volunteers with Bags of Hope as well. And I just wanted to thank her so much for offering to help. She's putting a little flyer together and she really wants to be involved in the awareness tent. Sure. So she'll be with us at the, at at the, the tent yeah. at the event. And I'm sure Elena will be more than happy that somebody is kind of stepping up and wanting to do that. She has her own story about um, neuroblastoma. Yeah. Did I say that right? No, yes, you did. I did. Yeah, I'm still um, and I will, I will save that story for if she wants to tell it to people in person or possibly even on uh, the podcast when we have the tent out there. Of course. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that is it for this and that. We will be right back. So stay tuned during the commercial break. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back, and it is time for our community call-out. This month is all about education and the craziness of getting back into the flow of going back to school. We wanted our month to be all about those who are working so hard for our kids during all the different stages of education. So to start the month off, we have an elementary school teacher. They do still say elementary school, right? Okay, I wanted to make sure. And she is from Lake County. We would like to welcome Miss Angel Foster for sitting down with us today. Yes. Thank thank you you for giving us your time today during your busy summer schedule. Thank you for having me. So first things first, um, tell us a little bit about your life outside of the classroom. Okay. I um, have been married for 16 years to my husband. He is um, a deputy and we have three children an 11-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 2-year-old, so our lives are pretty busy. With- oh, indeed. Very yes. busy. And a, and a couple uh, fur babies running around here. Is yep. that what we yep. call them now, right? Mm-hmm. Fur babies? Yep. We just got a <laughs> brand new kitten, four-month-old kitten. Oh. And we have a 9-year-old lab mush dog, and um, we we stay busy with our family and yes. friends and um, try to be active in the gym and all of those good things. We awesome. a healthy life. Awesome. So you're busy outside the classroom. And then, of course, school time keeps you even busier, oh, yeah. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So tell me, Angel, when did you first discover that you wanted to be a teacher? And did you have someone that influenced that, like a special teacher, somebody in your family? Tell us that story. Well, um, I have always been drawn to children. I've always been drawn to babies and wanted to work 
with babies in my church. And I, as young as I can remember, as soon as they would let me volunteer in the children's church or the babies with the nursery, I was there. So, um, I've just enjoyed it. Then I had nephews that I got to love and babysit sure, and yeah. enjoy all of that. So, um, that's just been, it was just kind of ingrained in me. And so as I got older and trying to decide, well, what am I going to do with my life in high school? There were lots of different, you know, there's not lots of, I was restricted in my thinking because I didn't quite know everything that was out there, but I was like, well, do I want to be a physical therapist or do I want to be a teacher? I know I've always liked kids. So, um, I was like, well, it's only four years to be a teacher and it's six to be a physical therapist. So I think I'll go with teaching. <laughs> so that was we kind look of at those numbers when it comes to yeah. that well, decision, right? I know. And I think back and I'm like, well, that was silly because six years and four years is not a big, right. big difference. But at that moment when I was making a decision, that's what I was thinking. And, um, so I went through and, um, got my degree and still sometimes would question, did I, did you do I doing the right, right thing? Yeah. Is this, yeah for me. Um, but I've found all the rewards along the way. So oh, oh, yeah, I'm sure. I, and, and I think part of what we want to stress this month with our sort of month of education is the importance of teachers. And yes. um, it's really nice to hear that it was driven out of a love for kids because I'm not sure that's always the case with teachers. And mm-hmm. I think it, for me, the teachers I remember the most, you could tell they really enjoyed working with the kids. Right. Yeah. So right. me too. The few yeah. that I remember. Yeah. Well, that's the same for me. I don't only remember a few, but I think it, the few, those are the ones that were enjoying, you know, interacting with the kids. Absolutely. And those are the ones that make the bigger influence on you. So can you tell us what grade you teach? We won't get way into the details, but I'm just mm-hmm. curious what, what grade that you teach and if you've always taught this grade or if you've taught other grades along the way. Um, and if you could maybe take us through your sort of teaching journey, how you got started, how you got to where you are now, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, I started at one school as a kindergarten teacher. Um, that was 14 years ago. Wow. And well, that's yeah. a trial by fire, huh? It, yeah, kindergarten. And it was at a school that was uh, a little more challenging. Um, oh, yeah. uh, the, the dynamics were a little more challenging. And so I started calling this other school <laughs> about February of that school year trying to get into um, the school that I'm actually currently at. I think um, I remember that time mm-hmm. period. That was a little difficult. A little it was. Trying as a first-time teacher. And mm-hmm. first years are always the hardest, is what yes. everyone will tell you. And that was a hard year. Yeah. Well, you know, it probably also made you wonder, is it like this everywhere? And what have I done? That kind of, that's what <laughs> yeah. I would think, you know. Yeah. Well, so. and, and I, I think it really taught me an appreciation for teachers that are driven to do those types of, um, those types uh, of schools or those types of, uh, the more challenging the schools. More challenging. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah. Um, yeah, there are different. teachers that are really cut out for that. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Are, and that, and they really want to do it, mm-hmm. you know? So we, we really, you know, you, after you did that, you tip your hat off to them. Oh, absolutely. I have an appreciation for them. I have an appreciation for, um, the fact that not every school is the same, not every group of kids is the same, and it gives you just a diverse thinking. So, um, I'm, I'm grateful for that year. Sure. Mm -hmm. After that, I, I did move to the school I'm currently at. Um, we have moved into charter field over the, over the years. And, um, so, 
I taught fourth grade for six years and then I went. Oh, wow. Yeah. I went Big from change. kindergarten to fourth grade. Never thought I would like the older kids. Always thought I was geared towards younger kids, mm-hmm. but I told them, they asked me, they had several openings available when they interviewed me and they're like, okay, what, what would you like to, what, grade would you like to teach? And I'm like, oh, I'll teach anything here. I'll teach anything for you. <laughs> Just give me a chance. They're yeah. like, okay, well, what would be your top choice if you got to pick? And I said, well, probably second grade. And they said, okay, well, which one would you not want to teach? And I said, probably kindergarten. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> so I, um, they gave me fourth grade. I had an amazing team. Um, you did have an amazing team I'd, in your fourth grade year. I did. I had uh, just people that have become friends of mine now over this journey that we still are friends and we've had children at the same time and our children are growing up together now and we just have an amazing dynamics at that school. When when you say amazing team, what do you mean? Like Mm -hmm. the other teachers? Yeah, the other teachers in the fourth grade team. Oh, very nice. There were 10 of us that year. Oh, yeah. I see. So so you mean like very supportive of kind of helping you learn the, the... the rounds and how to teach fourth grade and the, about the school, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Just um, supportive in the fact that there were, there are different things that weren't, that I didn't have those opportunities at the other school I was at. And so um, being able to teach me those, those little perks taking me under their wing and taking me out to the store to go shopping and guiding me. Okay. We teach this, this is a good poster to get, or we, we do this. And so, um, just kind of really taking me under the wing, under, under their wing. Um, but other, we had several new, um, to the school and to that grade level, um, at that same year. So there were teachers. Yeah. Yeah. That same year. So there was a group of us. So, um, it just really, we felt it, it became a family. So we, we had an awesome team. And so then, um, you know, the dynamic, the school changed over years. There was another school that opened. So our school staff lessened because we had less kids and Mm -hmm. Uh. now it's pretty much grown back to that capacity again. But we, um, I moved to, to second grade after six years of fourth grade because I was pregnant with my second child and I needed a change and, um, I wanted to give something else a shot. So yeah. I moved to second oh, grade and I've been in second grade for, this will be my seventh year. Starting. Wow. That's wow. awesome. So you answered the question about how long you've been teaching. Can you explain to us what a charter school is, what the benefits are of that? Sure. So we still get funded from the state, but instead of our funding going to district office and then them distributing the funds the way they want to. And as they see fit around the county, spreading it out, they, we get our money directly to us per student. Oh, that's and great. so then we um, are able, we pay our own electric bill, we pay our own, but they also are able to um, figure out ways to um, manipulate our money a little differently than if we were just getting it directly from county. And we have a charter board that oversees all of those decisions with our money and um, helps to guide. And there are people from our community that are a part of this charter board. Um, our school, our community, anybody can go to the meetings. So parents um, that parents. are possibly more involved. That's awesome. That too. Okay. I think I understand better now what charter yeah. means. Yeah. And it, it gives um, a, a little bit more of involvement. Maybe the parents get a little more say so mm-hmm. or, you know, 
business businesses Mm -hmm. and stuff like that get a little more say so or input into what the kids are learning or where where funds need to kind of be directed to so that's that's cool they do see that um as far as what the kids are learning we still teach the standards the public school Mm -hmm. general thing the students still take the the testing fsa and things like that that we have to give but we have um we have a little more flexibility. One of the questions I was going to ask you is if you've seen changes sort of in the educational environment that have improved the overall education of the students, I would assume that being a charter school is really the main thing because Mm -hmm. you guys can allocate your resources specifically where you see fit as it relates to some, maybe some of the challenges you're having with the kids. Right. We can, um, we don't have to take, the adoption, we adopt um, textbooks and things like that for math or reading. We don't have to do what the county is doing. We can get our own curriculum. We can find, like you said, different things. We can find things that are um, through the internet, if that's a better way to teach the students, however way we see fit. And so um, we also have flexibility um, in the way we go about teaching it to where the county wants you, everyone to be on the same page, the same day, everybody needs to be doing. And it's not about milestones. It's about tracking with the county. It's about tracking like a day by day by day, exactly where you are and sort of the, uh, the, the lesson plan. Well, we, we teach the standards. We, but our, our administrators, trust us to teach the kids everything they need to learn that year. And doesn't that feel good as a teacher, right? To have that trust given to you that you know what your students need. Mm -hmm. Right. What I like about the charter school aspect is if you guys feel, if you're, you know, you've got your administrators and your parents and the teachers that are involved to the point to where they feel like it's worth us having to pay for all this extra stuff and do all this extra work to change the way we're teaching the kids. That's, I think that speaks volumes because, and there's, I think there's a reason that um, charter schools in general have sort of a good reputation because that's why take on all the extra work. I mean, if it wasn't really going to make a difference. I think, you know, you're getting the best teachers, you're getting the best PTA, PTO, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're getting the best because people are actually, they have to really want to be in it. You have to want to be in it. And, and I, I'm finding that more and more where our coaches have to be want to, want to be in it. And we are now um, up to eighth grade. So oh, I forgot that you, we added six, seventh that and eighth. That is awesome. Our, our first group of sixth graders are now entering eighth grade. So this is our first year with the full, full this is going wow. to be our first year with the full uh, middle school. Now, that comes with growing pains and changes and all of that that comes with getting bigger and going into the field of middle school, which yes. we weren't ever before. Um, but our coaches are out there. They're, we've got track and field. We've got uh, flag football. We've got a volleyball team. We've got basketball team. Wow. We are... Yeah, it's really evolved very quickly, but people are jumping in. Our staff is jumping in to make this happen. And it's really kind of a neat thing to watch, especially since my own kids are coming through the school. My own daughter is entering sixth grade there. And, you know, one of the big things and one of the, and I've watched all of this as the charter board board was agreeing to move forward with this middle school. Um, There were a lot of concerns with, well, what about, 
athletics? What about, you know, because are you going to be able to offer the same things that the middle schools are offering? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we didn't know all of the answers and how that was all going to unfold at that time, but they had goals in mind. Yeah. And so just seeing the staff members kind of pick up and starting to coach and starting to do these things. And it really is a team effort and people that, you know, want to be there, want to be there. Yeah. And so we, we tend to, um, just make, I don't know. I just, it's kind of making the best of it or pulling the talents out of the staff that are already there. Mm -hmm. Oh, you used to be on the uh, football team in high school. You'd make a great coach, you know, or is that kind of thing? Volleyball. Oh, you'd be a great coach because you used to be on volleyball. (laughs) They did. They did ask me that I, I have been talked to about that, but, um, and then they actually enter like, whoever wanted to be, let's say the volleyball coach, they actually, um, almost, I don't know if they took applications or they picked because if there was more than one person or more than two people or whatever they needed for the coaching staff for that, they had to, so I don't know if they did a questionnaire. I'm not real sure because I didn't, even though I was talked to like, Hey, you played volleyball. Uh Um, I told them immediately, like, I can't do it right now. Not while my little one is still the sitter because I have to pick him up by four thirty every day. Yeah, right. yeah. So I I can't commit can't myself commit to, it. to that yet. But when he gets into school, if they need somebody and I can commit at that point, then yeah. I can. That's something I can look into doing. But yeah, um, cool. Well, yeah. so did, to me, it just sounds like the overall desire of the administration. And when I say administration, I mean all of you guys, the overall desire to just help get involved and provide the best to the kids is what it, what it all sort of boils down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, I love that it's through eighth grade. I've always had a problem with just the sixth through eighth grade, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of kids are still transitioning and, yeah. you know, you got a little bit younger, a little bit older. I think going on, you know, kindergarten through eighth grade, this is what they do up north in a lot of the schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great. That's great, totally foreign to me. I'm from thing. here, but it sounds great because it's almost traumatic. Uh, I remember even it my own life. It is traumatic, especially for parents. I'm it's, just going to well, tell even you. For the, for the kids, like <laughs> my two that have gone through, it seems like that transition for them going from elementary school to middle school, there was a level, high levels of anxiety, high levels of stress the first year because it's so different. And I think if they could have been in the same school with the same staff and, you know, the familiar surroundings, mm-hmm. it would have made it a little less intense for them. Right. So I, I feel the same way. And that was one of my big, you know, desires to push them to continue yeah. this. And yeah. they knew they had enough staff. They had the staff backing on this. One other cool thing. So I just, I mean, it's, it's a little extra work for the staff. It really yeah. is. But one of the cool things that our school has set in place is a mentor system. So they have the, they take the sixth graders, the incoming -hmm. incoming sixth graders, and they pair them with a staff member. Now we can ask for specific ones, maybe that were in our classes, you know, we have a, Mm -hmm. but there's possibility that there's students that didn't get a, a teacher that they'd had in the past, but what they do is the sixth graders have to come and we have to check in with each other so that we can create a relationship outside of what they're doing in their classes, outside of what they're doing in their social life. And then we can check with them about their grades and we can push them and help them check into their goals. And if they're having an issue socially, we can talk to them about that and help Very them through. Cool. So 
I know that I've, the last two years have had a student of mine that was in my second grade class. The first year, the boy I had was a little shy, you know, they get past mm-hmm. second grade and then they look back at their second grade teacher and, you know, yeah. they're like, oh, you know, yeah. like, right. yeah, I know you, but not really. I <laughs> don't know how to talk to you yeah. about these right. things. <laughs> but this last year I had one um, and he was so cool. He would just come and hang out for a little bit or help me in my class. Or, you know, I would always say, well, what's going on? What do you need help with? You're struggling in math. What if there's something I can do to help you with that? Let me know, or I'm available these times and I'd be Mm -hmm. more than happy to sit with you. Um, he didn't always take me up, but he did just like the camaraderie and he was like a star to my kids in my class. The second graders adored him. So every time they saw him, like, Oh, and they'd scream his name. He's like a little celebrity. Yeah. He, you could see his lot, his whole face light up. So it could have been a highlight of his week, you know? Yeah. So, um, it, it's kind of a neat thing. And I know other ones. Yeah. We had, I know another teacher friend of mine who had some this year that were having some issues with, um, other students, you know, and, and would talk to her like, she's, you know, there's this girl and she's bullying us and there's, you know, so she would try to help get to the bottom of that or try to direct them into how to go about that. And it's like, you can, um, you can kind of get the inside scoop of what's going on without it being you know pointing somebody out you mm-hmm. can you know figure out how to solve the problem you giving them techniques of how to solve it and, and right just teaching them how to deal with life's problems really yeah absolutely and i think um also it's almost like you get to play the role of a mini counselor and i went back to the or i'll go back to the beginning of this the, the teachers i remember in my life were the ones that were more involved beyond just you know the questions, are you doing okay? How's things, how's your family? You, you know, that were, that seemed like they wanted to be more friendly and more about, more than just here's the assignment, get an A kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah more yeah. about, it's more, relationships. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. I mm-hmm. love it. And that's, and that's a big thing in our school and I know for me. All right, so on to some fun questions about your favorites. What is your favorite part of the school year? And what's your favorite subject to teach? Oh, you get to teach them all because of the grade that you teach too. Yeah. But you always have a favorite. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My favorite part of the school year is probably the beginning because it's so, it's exciting to get to Energy. Yeah, Yeah. there's energy. I feel rested after the summer and I can come back and I'm like, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, The students are excited and it's just that whole nervous energy that's, that's cool because you're meeting new people and you're and getting to know them and and trying new things because Mm -hmm. good teachers try new things every year sure um so all of that is exciting for me yeah Um, i would imagine because it's like the um i guess i'm sort of envisioning going through school that's all i can do as we talk about this stuff but everyone's revved up for the new mm -hmm. the new year everyone's got their got your new clothes new clothes a new backpack And and everyone has like best foot forward, or I would think most kids do, and Mm -hmm. and you're revved up to do good. And, you know, it's before before you sort of get into any of it. You So I can imagine that's probably exciting for you, too, to see the kids attentive Mm -hmm. and excited and ready to roll. So that's fun and developing those relationships. And then I also like the end of the year, though, because then you've seen how far they've come and you've been able to nurture and develop those relationships and and then... 
allow them to move on and grow yeah. and blossom oh, because yeah. some of them you're like, okay, and then we've had a great year, but yeah. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> it's time to move on. It's time for and, you to go. And then the end of the year is always fun because they do the award parties. And I know you probably cry every year because every teacher that I've ever seen does. Yeah. When they're giving those awards out and just the tears are flowing. It's only in my heart. Yeah. Well, it's, I was going to say, it's got to be sad. Too. I remember uh, one of my daughter's elementary school teachers, I helped her put together a video of, mm-hmm. you know, pictures and clips through the beginning and the middle and the end of the year. And I don't even know these kids. And it was sad to me because, um, you know, it's, a, you know, those, mm-hmm. those, those years are gone. I mean, yeah. it's a good thing, but it's also, I could see it being sort of uh, bittersweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's fun. It's, it's definitely different emotions different times um so i i enjoy watching watching them grow and watching them move on i mean honestly i feel it gets different when i taught fourth grade and then they moved on to fifth grade and then watching them because our school does this big thing where they all the all the classes come out and line the center of the school and as the fifth graders walk to their buses to go to their graduation the last day of school everybody's yes. cheering we have posters we have oh wow so it's I this, have pictures of Austin's oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a big Logan's, deal yeah so and it's so fun because you know it's so funny you'll see some of the fifth graders just sobbing but when I taught fourth grade my kids would come through from the year before right. and mm-hmm. since it was still kind of fresh the kids knew and remembered and it wasn't the same as when I'm so far removed I feel like as a second grade uh, yeah. teacher from that right. so I would jump up and down every kid that I had <laughs> and I'd make this big crazy scene <laughs> like a crazy person and they they would be like oh geez or someone would be like worse yeah. than my parent <laughs> oh, yes. I love it. oh I had so much fun but <sighs> like I feel like I can't do that as a second grade teacher because there's such I a just, gap it's between just, yeah it's, it's yeah. not the same I mean I'll, I'll yell for them but it's not the same second to fifth grade yeah yeah and I wonder sometimes if teachers remember the students better than students remember the teachers because you know you're going through so much as a kid that you're yeah I know for me I vaguely remember a teacher from that age because so much happens you remember them because you're watching them grow through the school Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. all right well that's great yeah and what was your favorite subject I like teaching reading probably at the younger ages in particular I love that answer I but what's funny is that Reading was my least favorite subject in school. Oh, really? It was something I struggled with. So that's, I think, why it's a passion of mine mm-hmm. yeah. to help them to understand how to read and read for meaning and understand it more than just calling a word. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Love your it. your passion for it is driven by the fact that you don't want them to have the same challenges you had. Right. Yeah. So I personally have read a lot about how electronics and social media have sort of reduced our attention span overall, adults and everyone in society, really, really everyone globally. Has this been something that you've noticed that's true with students, especially at the younger? I'm just curious about the younger Mm -hmm. ages like that. Have you noticed sort of a detached attention span as the, the social media craze has really kicked into full gear? And if so, has it been really bad or... It's definitely changed the way that we structure our day. We um, try to make sure we have brain breaks where they're getting up and moving. We try to make sure that we overall are doing things in our classroom where it's not all the same thing, straightforward teaching all day. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of small group time where I'm, you know, rotating the kids through centers so that their brain is having to switch because they do lose interest. They do. I mean, I can sit in front of four kids and right in front of me across the table and I have to get them to 
focus on what I'm saying to them. They're drifting. Yeah. They're drifting and it's quick. I mean, do, we do that as adults, so I can imagine it. Do, do you think, because some of these things I read, and sometimes this is an emerging science on us understanding how this is affecting our brains and how it's affecting developing brains especially, and we sort of dodged a bullet at our age because we kind of got, we're fully developed in our brains by the time all this stuff really broke, but I think about this even in my teenage kids, and you know, more especially with kids the ages that you're teaching, do you feel like this um, inability to focus is driven by the constant sort of, um, you know, social media, electronic devices, things in your face, instant gratification kind of stuff that kids get from that? Um, I, I do feel like it's in part that I feel like there's a lot of emotional pulls um, that the technology is doing to yeah. our children a lot. And I am very passionate about that. Um I see it with my own children, um, and I recognize that. Um, when you just, say emotional pulls, can you tell us what you mean by that? I feel like they're so used to being stimulated right, and on a constant basis. They yep. don't know how to sit quiet. Yes. Yeah. They don't know how to sit and focus their brain. Right. They, they're on constant intake. Yep. That they don't know what to do with their brain when it's they're time not. To shut down. Yes. Yeah. Or it's time to use it outside of pressing a button. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a little scary to me. Oh, um, and me too. And I wonder why you know, I wonder if the sort of standard um uh lesson or the I can't think of the word, uh, the syllabus, I guess, will be eventually will be to have a class or a segment of time dedicated to addressing that because I don't, I don't know that most schools are addressing that now. That's fine. Um, but you know what I mean? As far as, I, I don't know if we know how to address it because right. other than like you're saying these, I love that idea. When you talk about changing uh, centers or moving the type of learning or uh, to keeping them up and moving around and stuff, I think about my job and I sit behind a computer every day and have for 25 years and that sounds amazing. I feel like I, I could think, because I would get up and just move in order to think. Maybe that's part of the training the that training, we do. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's necessary. Yeah. Um, getting them to move, um, getting them to sit quiet and, and just be calm. I started doing, um, we have something called Go Noodle, not we, but the internet does. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's free for teachers to sign up. And it, there's lots of videos and of like songs and there's yoga. There's different categories. There's yoga. There's um, oh, cool. kids bop songs. There's Zumba. Oh, nice. There's I love it. Um, other, there's lots of different ones. Some more educational, some just fun. Right. And we'll take a brain break. So there's a yoga one on there that is for focus. Or maybe it's called Focus. I'm trying to remember. And I found it last year. And what it is, is it kind of has them put up their leg on the, or their foot on one leg, kind of like a yoga pose, right? Sure. Very cool. And there's a big dot in the center of the screen. And they'll tell them, focus on the green dot. And then there'll be other dots, smaller ones, start to move around the screen. And it tells them, you know, if you, if you start looking at the other dots, you're going to lose your balance. So wow. in order to stay balanced, you have to stay focused on the green dot. So uh, the whole rest of the year, I, I played it a few more times throughout the year, but mostly I would tell the kids, where's your green dot? Who's your green dot? And I explained to them. Oh, wow. And I explained to them that your green dot is whatever you're supposed to be focused on. Right. So 
if you're supposed to be watching me and listening, your brain should be completely wrapped in what that green dot is, which is me and what I'm teaching you. It shouldn't be thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch. Did it shouldn't you, do be, you put you know, a green dot on yourself? No, you but I a, should. You should wear. A sh- you should get a shirt made that has a huge green, green dot. dot. Yeah, what a great idea. <laughs> that is, that would be great front and back. So yeah, like their right? eyes have to stay on you the whole time. Right. That'd and I find hilarious. the kids that can keep their eyes on me wherever I go. I've had some kids like that the last couple of years. One one family in particular was the same family, and I had the the son, and then I had the daughter. They were the best students because they were constantly watching where I was at. Cool. And and anything I said, anything I did, they were like right on it. Wow. Like right right on it. And I found that they were the best students, but they were able to focus on me. Yeah. And I and I find not that I like that student better. I just, you know, as we're sitting here comparing the students, they're lo- sweet kids. But they're just constantly looking around. They're, it's almost not even their off. fault. It's hard. Yeah. It's like yeah. reading has actually gone down. So right, know? and I think that's a big yeah. part of it too. Yeah. So you kind of answered my question. So we'll we'll move on. But you kind of answered how you are incorporating technology into the classroom because through mm-hmm. that thing that you found on the internet. So that's pretty cool. I love that. I took a note on that, and I'll put a link to Go Noodle yeah. in the show notes yeah. here. I think it's a good thing for parents to utilize at home because if they're they utilizing can. that at home. That's going to help the teachers in the classroom Mm -hmm. and parents, anything that you can do to kind of help your children with that focus at home, you know, really the teacher shouldn't have to deal with that in the classroom. They're there to teach, right? right? Not get your, not spend half the year teaching your kid how to focus. So what can you do at home to to help help. your teachers to give more quality teaching in the classroom? And that's kind of what my, what made me think of that question before we met, because, you know, I I don't want to judge. And I certainly allowed my kids to have screens, Mm -hmm. you know, when they were maybe five or six, but I was not to say I did it any better, but I had my own device and I would interact with them through it, like little Nintendo DS devices or, but it wasn't the same as now where everyone's in isolation on their screen. Mm-hmm. And it just made me wonder if that is, you know, if that's driving up the, the problems that are causing this sort of attention span. I think it causes that problem with adults now. And there's yeah. a lot of emerging science behind how it's actually rewiring our brains. Right. Um, unfortunately. Well, there's also, and there's also the other component of socialization, them understanding how, t- what's acceptable, what's not in, in dealing with their friends and dealing with, with classmates or whoever, and understanding that, yeah, you're going to have conflicts and that's okay. Yes. Yeah. But this is how we have to work because it's it. handled differently um, in the social media world yes. than it is person to person. And right. and I don't, kids are not learning those boundaries. Have you noticed trends in what kids want to be when they grow up? When we were kids, it was, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a doctor. Is it still kind of like that at those younger ages or is, are there uh, obscure positions that kids want to be now? At second grade level, there's still a lot of, I want to be a teacher. Or I oh, want to nice. be, you know, that sort of thing. But now you hear more and more, I want to be a YouTuber. Oh, of course. Oh. Me too. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of funny. And then the other thing that schools are doing a lot now, a big thing is STEM or STEAM. Yes. Oh, the STEM is great, so right? STEM is a drive for science, technology, mm-hmm. engineering, and mathematics. And then when you throw STEAM, you're throwing the A in there, which is our an art connection. Cool. So um, 
before when we were growing up, when we were kids, I don't remember anybody ever talking about engineers. No. I didn't know what that is, but these kids know. Yep. And so now you'll hear more and more of them saying, I want to be an engineer. Or I want to be a, wow. you know, there's some differences there in that sense. At the, well, at the younger cool. ages like that, that's great. So I, mean, that's I think it's great. Cool. I think so too. I, I think it's a opening up a new yeah. idea. So, and how we were talking earlier about jobs like somebody that does genetics or something like that, you're hoping stuff like that in that kind of medical science world will yeah. be more introduced as well. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Would you say that today's kids are generally optimistic about life in general? Do you notice anything different, especially at the younger ages? Because I. It's a pretty my, serious question. I know. My perception <laughs> is that most kids at that age, you know, they're generally optimistic and hopeful about life and excited. I just wonder if you see anything different than that or if you feel like social media and the way the world's kind of changed with all that has changed the sort of the optimism of younger kids. Well, in second grade... Most of the time, mm-hmm. yeah. you don't have them on social media so much, but you do have their not. parents yes. or older siblings or older siblings. Right. Um, so, yeah, generally, I feel like second graders are still very optimistic, optimistic about life They're They want to have fun. They want it. They want to please their teacher. They want to. That's good news. Yeah, they want to. um they want the best, the fun things in life. They want to have a good time. And, and, you know, we do that. I do know that with the effects of parents on social media, it can affect children in the fact that if parents are so involved in their social media or their status, their status, they're not making time for the kids. Is that where you're going with it? Yeah. They're kind of, maybe the kids or the kids are observing this about the parent. Well, I got to take a better picture. That wasn't a good enough one. And I know that's been a conversation. Like, Oh, I look fat in that picture. Oh, I, my hair's, but you know, then they're going to start, the children are going to start internalizing Mm -hmm. these things. Self-perception. Yeah. And that's been a conversation that um, I've had in the midst of a couple of moms in particular yeah. where we've caught ourselves doing something. And they're like, we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. We shouldn't, yeah. we shouldn't say these things in front of our girls, right. you know? Yeah. Right. So um, it, but if you're not paying attention to those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and think- just being absorbed it yourself as a parent, I have seen it too many times. Yeah. And I was not guilty of this in the past because this was not part of, you know, this wasn't really around that much or I wasn't involved in social media and stuff when my kids were growing up, but I see it time and time. And again, a kid is screaming or begging for their parents' attention and they're, I'm sorry, parents, the attention was not towards the child at all. And I understand our child, sometimes you have to ignore them, right? Like we do have to do that, but it's because they're consumed. Also, I think social media uh, Electronics to, to sort of jump on that too. It's also just, I guess, it, it's refreshing for me to hear you say that in second grade they're still optimistic and such because you do see, and again, not judging, but you do see screens handed to little tiny kids to keep them busy, and maybe it's for five minutes. That's why I'm not judging anyway. But yeah. you make me wonder that being in your position where you're sitting with kids, are these kids really on screens all the time or is it not really the case yet? And so to hear that they're still optimistic about life and they're not pulled into the trenches of social media and all the online bickering and stuff, 
I mean, it's somewhat refreshing to hear at least it doesn't happen that young, you know? Yeah. I know they play games and things like that on screens and sure. I'll hear them talk about Fortnite or of course. Uh, yeah. Minecraft or, <laughs> and I also know that there are times that they are um, researching. Like I had a student in particular that was, uh, ended up being gifted and I know he would learn so much just watching videos. And yes. that's um, the upside to all of the yeah. internet stuff. If right? it's using for the but good I'm, stuff, you know, right? but yeah. I also know that, some of these same children also struggle with simple tasks, yeah. you know, yeah. such as keeping organized or um, being able to remember that, oh, when I go, when I come in the door, I need to put my folder in this basket. Same thing every day, yes. but so they don't remember. And then you have to tell them. Yeah. Where's and your brain they're at? So, yeah. yeah. But they're so smart at the yeah. same time. So yeah. I don't know if that is just that particular you know, a couple of those children, or if it's something that the, um, the internet is feeding. That the internet is feeding. Yeah, yeah. That the technology is, is making worse. There probably worse. hasn't been enough research in that area. Oh, so I'm I sure know. not. One more question about this kind of stuff and we'll move on. But obviously this is part of my interest. But um, as we talk about social media and I think it's changed for us as adults, things like religion and politics, everyone talks about and argues about and things that we either used to just agree to disagree and be friends still, or we didn't talk about. You know, there were times when you know, like back in my parents' time, you didn't tell people who you voted for. It was personal and private. Um, it, religion is very similar for some people. Do you see in the younger kids and maybe not second grade, but just in general, do you see conversations about that kind of thing and or bickering about it? Or are they do they still seem kind of shielded from that? Well, children at second grade are seven and eight years old, and right. they're still very self-absorbed. Of course. So that those bigger things don't always apply to them, but they do hear their parents speak about these things. That's so what I figured. If like a campaign, you know, um, it's a voting year, mm-hmm. right? And you know, you, I, I tend to take those years in particular, and and we'll talk about voting and do a mock voting and you know all of that kind of thing oh, just that's great yeah just you know it's a fun they really don't know what it is so you're you're incorporating right. it in your curriculum so that's yeah. kind of cool right and it's part of our standards and all of that mm-hmm. too so sometimes you'll hear a student oh you know or this president that? or that president or <laughs> right. you know this and that and or it's their, you know, it's their parents' words coming out of their mouth. It's their parents' yeah. words coming yeah. out of their mouth. And How do so, you remain neutral during that time? Because you have an opinion. How are you remaining neutral and teaching them to um, respect other people's opinions? We read a lot of ta- a lot of different books that are fiction or whatever, and and that can teach those those lessons. So we're doing that all year long mm-hmm. and valuing other people's opinions and. Um, it, it's funny that you said about that we can still be, we can disagree and still be friends. And that's yeah. something that I know personally for me, that is important. Yeah. I want them to know that it's okay to disagree. Yeah. Yeah. It's something o- adults are forgetting these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay to disagree. We can still be friends Yeah. and you're not going to agree on everything. You're going to have different opinions and that's what makes everyone unique Sure. and, and that's okay. So just teaching them those lessons, there's lots of Lots of um, just picture books and things that we read that teach all kinds of amazing lessons and have awesome themes. And we do a lot of that in the younger grades in particular because we can learn so much. Even simple as, you know, Dr. Seuss books, there's a lot of lessons and morals that he teaches through those. Oh, sure. Well, I think adults could probably profit, myself included, in some cases from reading books that kind of remind you, yeah, remind (laughs) you of things like that. To piggyback off those two questions, what are you doing personally to influence your students and their parents in a positive way? 
Um, I do a lot of positive encouragement, um, just using words that will boost them. Um, in the morning, um, when they come in, we greet with a hug or handshake or a high five as my students come in. And, um, I try to do as much as I can to build that relationship because I know that's what's important. And really, like I said, from the beginning, the whole reason I'm doing this is for the kids and for their well being overall. And I want them to look back in second grade and remember that kids in the background. That's, that's the life, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I want them to remember second grade and you don't remember every little thing that your teacher did. You're not going to remember what they put on the walls or what they, but you're going to remember how they made you feel. You remember the relationship. And I want them to have a positive feeling, a feeling of, Oh yeah, I remember that. And that was, that was a great year. And, and I want them to remember that. So developing that classroom community, developing those relationships, um, and encouraging them. I send them a card, um, a postcard or a little note in the mail within the first few weeks of school telling them how happy I am that they are there and oh, telling them personal. I, I, I try to that. personal Parents probably yeah. love that too. And so I mail that home within the first couple of weeks or first month of school and and that and then they get so excited They're like I got I got your letter in yeah, the mail. There's something about mail still mm-hmm. still that it's that just it's to a, you. It's not to a group. It's yeah. just to a, yeah, that's great. I yeah, love and that. I handwrite them all and so that's that's been fun. That's been something I've doing been doing for a while and I enjoy that. Um, just writing them notes on their work on their graded assignments and get a little sticker. Something is always nice. uh, A sticker, but even just more specific, like, I know you worked hard to study for this test. It shows, or, you know, just more, more specific praise. Um, I think that's fundamental at this age. We talk about even as adults doing something to help someone or to give someone a positive spin on the day. And it sounds so, so cheesy sometimes, but even at our age, if someone bought your lunch in front of you or held the door or grabbed a bag for you or something, even at our age, it's, you know, it kind of puts a positive spin on your day. Mm-hmm. So those really highly developmental ages, I think things like, like you said, how you start the day with a high five mm-hmm. or a hug or something cool. I think things like that sort of set the stage for your mindset for the day. Right. And, and I love that you do the kind of positive thing when they're coming in because you have kids. You know that getting children ready in the morning can be the most hectic, stressful time of the day. So a lot of times those kids are coming in all disheveled because mom was yelling, get ready, da-da-da. And and now they had a positive thing coming in and it resets them Mm -hmm. for the day. Yeah, and props to you for being able to go through that yourself in your own house and show up and still be like, hey, what's up? Instead of all grumbling yourself (laughs) because you've gone through the nightmare. Because you got three of them to get ready in the morning. (laughs) I found in the the past year that another thing I do, I brought a Bluetooth speaker in my room, in my classroom, and I'll play um, Spotify or um, Pandora, but I'll put in instrumental um, music and more even just like pop current stuff that's yeah. instrumental and it's so nice and well, it's so relaxing. There's science behind that with yeah. music so in the brain. So it helps and emotions. And it reset. helps them, sure. And then when they come in and it and they enjoy that and it just cool. it's just nice that we I play a lot of music. Um another thing I have, I started a couple of years ago, a friend of mine showed me is uh the kindness challenge. And so I'm I've done it for two years. The first year I was a little better than the second year. But every week there's a different challenge. Um, hold a door for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, sm- smile or make a new friend or ask find somebody new and ask them three things about them. And I would try to have the kids come back from lunch or something. And, okay, so have you 
compete, you know, completed the challenge this week yet. If you have, you know, and so we'd yeah. share a little bit cool. and, and it would help promote that more. Um, and just showing them the little things that are kind, the little things that they can do for somebody else to bring happiness to their day, write a note of encouragement or write a thank you card for the principal or for the janitor or for, you know, whatever. And so, um, well, that's, that's exactly the kind of stuff I was talking about. That's great. So we try, I do try to do that. I, like I said, I know another teacher and there, every teacher does their own thing. Yeah. Um, So it might look different from one teacher to another, but I do feel like our staff generally does these things and they do try to promote all of this. Um, and so that's cool. And then I have for the parents, like I, I have a, an app that the parents can get Mm -hmm. to communicate with me and I can post pictures. I can send personal messages to those parents or I can post it so they all can see at once. That's great. So they can actually see what's going on in the classroom during the day. Right. And I don't do it every day. And, and I know last year was really my first year using this particular app. And I, um, what's the name of the app? The one I'm, that I am using is Dojo. Now there's also I like know a that app. I remember having that app on my phone when my kids were in younger years. Right. Cool. And I but I don't do the whole points behavior system end of that. I right. I that's not something I do, but I um can communicate with parents. I can ask, you know, hey, I sent home a I field trip that. form. I can you know, and that's been Very really, cool. sure. really nice. And then I you know, I try to occasionally send out a message to a parent privately, you know, and tell them nice something nice about their child or I was really impressed how they did this. And sometimes it's hard to find time to do that in a day and remember to do that. Um, but I do more every year. I try to set that as a goal for myself because parents do want to hear something positive mm-hmm. about oh, their course. child. I love that. It's sort of like uh, your own private sort of portal to, to be able to sort of get the parents attention because I know between the emails from the school and the send homes and a lot of stuff gets lost in a shuffle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say too, a lot of times when you do hear from a teacher, it's in a negative con- oh, connotation yeah. about your kid. They're yeah. not yeah. getting their work done and, and, you don't want to hear that all right. the time. You don't. Wait. What yeah. I think to to sort of go with what you're saying there, Angie. I think what what that does is it sort of resets the parents' mind so that they don't start feeling every time they hear or see your name. Oh, what now? Yeah, you know, it's more of yeah. a positive thing. Yeah. Well, and our and our administration does encourage. Please reach out and make positive positive uh, connections and communications with your parents throughout the year, but especially the beginning, because you want them to hear from you as a positive as Mm -hmm. well in the beginning and throughout the year, because it is, we don't want to, and I don't, I know as a parent myself, I don't want you to hit me over the head with all the things my children are doing wrong. That's right. I, you know, I do get it and, and they know their children's faults. Um, You have to communicate those. But sometimes if you can find the ways, the times that they've maybe overcome those things or the times where they've, you know, done something else that's positive to try to show the parent that too. Because I don't want the parent to feel badgered as like, oh gosh, I'm doing an awful job as a parent. I can't do this. And I remember those feelings of anxiety when you get a letter or an email from the school, Um, you know, and so I like that you're kind of changing it to be, you could be excited when you get the notification. I hope, I hope that I'm able to get that across to my parents. And, you know, I know that some of the 
at, at our school, we have different things that in, involve parents. Like, um, they do donuts with dad and they do. Oh, I remember um, that too. All yeah. these memories. Oh, you're going to start crying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Stop saying all these <laughs> daddy daughter dance. <laughs> remember those? I do. Yeah. I do. So we try to incorporate family, you know, into mm-hmm. the school. And I know some of the teachers and one of the things I did coming in the second grade was like a Thanksgiving feast where the parents would all, you know, everybody brings in a dish. So you're bringing green beans. I'm bringing mashed potatoes and we would have a Thanksgiving feast with our class and the parents and just during the day one day and it was very cool. It's a lot of planning (laughs) and, and work in a sense, but I always really enjoyed once they were all there. It was just kind of a neat feeling. Um, I haven't done it the last couple of years because of just the logistics of dates and whatnot. Sure. Cause I also try to keep in mind that a lot of parents are working Yeah, and if they or tra- are, people taking, are traveling, things yeah, like or that if they're too. taking time off work for family picnic day that the school put on and a week later, I'm throwing this bash in my yeah. classroom. They're probably not going to come. That, yeah. Well, or it's going to be hard for them and they're going to feel guilty. And yeah. I yeah. know that parent guilt. I don't want to put that yeah. on anybody. Oh, yeah, of so, course. Yeah. Um, I try to be th- mindful of what I'm doing. I, you know, I, do a muffins for mom and I, I remember the kids. that too yeah. I remember the handouts yep. that came home yeah yep. wow. and I'll cool and I'll send home or I'll have the kids you know serve their moms and yeah so one more question as we end our show um our podcast really focuses on how we can get more involved in our community um help more people out are there any organizations or community events that you're involved in that you you know want to mention I mean, we know you're a busy mom, you're a teacher, but how are you involved in the community? That's already probably more involved in the community than <laughs> any of us. She's more involved than any of us. <laughs> I'm pretty pretty involved in, in my community, meaning just the school for the most part. Sure. Um, and what's interesting is I just had this thought of one of the things is with schools that we can have volunteers. And I have um, a lady, a little old lady that my mom had met. My mom worked at the local bank. And she introduced this lady, Miss Cindy, to to me because she wanted to donate quilts and mittens and hats. It was like around Christmas time. And mm-hmm. she wanted to, to bless a class of, of children. Right. And so she, my mom connected us and we were able to, um, you know, have that time. Well, it's evolved into she comes and she volunteers in my class every Tuesday and Thursday morning for the full morning and she'll pull workbook pages. She'll let kids read to her. She'll work with kids, play games with kids. She will, anything I ask her, she will attempt to do. And, um, she gets so much fulfillment from Mm -hmm. just being a part of that, that that is another, I mean, yeah, Another she's connection. helping others, and she, and that help is being reciprocated back to her because she's getting the reward from it. Right. But I it, mean, that's a good example for people listening as well. You know, we talk about how can you get involved, how can you help, especially maybe if you don't have money to donate in the classroom. In the classroom, right. and the, and the help's always needed there. I'm sure. Right, and um, there are lots of different ways that you know we could use help but you know i'm i'm a mom and i'm a teacher i my children go to the school that i'm working at and we do a lot of after school events with the school um i take my kids but i also will help or i'll you know donate in any way i can um we 
we're doing a 5k at the end of August and they're raising money for our, our athletics program. So oh, I I've signed it. my child and I up for that. So you so, can give us the link for that because I we may have that. people that would be interested in that. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And so, um, we're just, I'm very involved in our school right now. Sure. And then outside of that is church. And then outside of that is also, um, my children's sporting events. Yep. And I know like for me, the most I do is supply snacks or, you know, that sort of thing. Your time. It's a lot of time, time involved in that. Yeah. But I know that they're always looking for volunteer coaches and whatnot in the community athletic programs and the city yeah. programs. And it, it requires volunteers to do these yeah. coaching positions. So if you have a heart for kids, it's yeah. a good way to get involved. Um, I know once my own three children are grown and out of the house, it'll open up my time to, be able to you know, to be able to volunteer yeah. and do yeah. that. But right now it's just, it's just nurturing what I'm already in. Well, sure. I love that also, cause we talked about how the charter school, it takes a lot of extra time yeah. from, from the staff and that's where your time is going. It so that like, is being part of the community. Sure, and it becomes almost like a part of your part of your. I know this is your your you know full time job, but part of it is almost a passion project too because mm -hmm. of the charter thing. Yeah, so. it really is. Well, well and it could you. be a, it could be a passion thing at any level for any teacher. Yeah. It just depends on how much they're able and willing and want that's to. Right. Well, that's a good point. It. That's a very good point. I suppose just being a teacher anywhere at all is kind of partially a, a passion project. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. you would have to be to want to get involved in that to begin with. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with us. Well, During your you. busy summer. Yes. yes. <laughs> and busy day Kids here running well. around. I'm sure we'll hear them in the background. That's, that's part of a teacher's. That's a, a mom teacher. How do I want to say that? Teacher mom. A teacher teacher mom's mom. Mom's summer. That's, that's, that's part right. of the experience and ambiance of. That's right. <laughs> of this life. That's yes, right. It is. Well, thank you. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You do the same. Yes. Have a great rest of the day. And uh, hang tight, guys. We'll be right back after this break. This is Dr. Linda Mattioli with Origins Functional Medicine, and you're listening to It's All Fine and Dangy. Hey guys, welcome back. And before I get into the information station phase of the show, I wanted to once again thank Angel Foster for doing the interview with us. We had a lot of fun interviewing her and I don't know about you, Angie, but I learned quite a bit. I did. And it was fun interviewing her at her house because yep. the kids were home I know, and they're running around shutting doors. The true life of a teacher over summer. Indeed. And <laughs> and we'll find out the true editing skills of Dan, whether or not you notice that, because I haven't gone back at the time of our recording here. I haven't gone back and done the editing and, and preparing for posting the podcast. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of music in the background, yeah. kids asking for stuff in the middle of it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, items being dropped in the kitchen. It was hilarious. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, she handled it like a true teacher by juggling all that stuff and continuing to talk to us about everything. Hand motions. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I did too. It was fun. But, uh, one of the things she mentioned was the STEM program and she also mentioned the STEAM program. So I looked that up because I was curious as to what that was all about. And for those of you that don't know, STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. And STEAM is really just that with art jammed in between engineering and math. So, of course, you know, I had to look up STEAM. Of course. And even though STEAM includes STEM, there, I guess, some of the articles I'd read said there's a little bit of, uh, 
not a debate, but there's there's sort of uh, there are facilities that believe in doing STEM. And there are other facilities that believe in doing STEAM. And I guess maybe some believe in doing both, but there is a little bit of a debate out there in the world on whether or not art is part of those sort of fundamental pieces. And uh, so that's that's kind of the interesting thing that I looked up here. For STEM, and this is practiced both in private schools and public schools, it's basically the idea that students need more in-depth knowledge about math and science. And it's supposed to focus on the ability to integrate and apply knowledge to solve problems facing um, different uh, professions today, as well as the nation as a whole. And so that's sort of uh, the approach has been that children who study this sort of within the STEM program, they should be developing a variety of skills that revolve around things like critical thinking and problem solving and innovation and communication and collaboration and all these other Asians. And it's, uh, it's, it's neat. And of course I'm interested in it, but there's that sort of creative part of it that is where the A comes in the art side of it. And I think that's important with the jobs that are coming out in the future. I do too. I mean, of course we do, I think, yeah. but you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing because there is some philosophy around, um, just keeping it as the science and math and engineering side and that the art side is not a requirement for some of these jobs, but, but sort of skipping around the debate, the whole context of this is motivating and engaging kids about uh, working in the real world. Yeah. And students are supposed to sort of apply their uh, mathematics and science content and the methods that the teachers are using are supposed to be inquiry-based and student-centered. It, there's a lot of terms like that yeah. thrown around. Um, but the long and the short of it is that the kids get involved in sort of engineering type challenges and they use a sort of design process to figure out the engineering process and it, or engineering challenge. And it, you know, focuses on critical thinking, like I said, innovation, like I said, teamwork is another piece of it. But the art side, mm-hmm. at least as is ex- it's explained in the, um, in these, uh, I keep saying facilities, but in the program of STEAM that uses Yeah, because they're in public schools, right? Like public and private, yeah. Because kids can, because your nephew is in that and they have where the kids, I guess you have to qualify for it. I would think you have to have certain test scores or, you know, there's got to be some kind of aptitude test or something they do for it. I'm not sure. That part I'm not sure of. So as it relates to STEAM and considering where that falls into play for the schools that are, that are using the STEAM side versus the STEM side, Mm -hmm. or maybe in addition to it's things like design, things like computer graphics or creating logos, what they refer to as stylized or industrial design. There's sort of a technical or persuasive writing as they call it. So if you're writing a technical manual, yeah. It's still a technically driven role, but you have to have there's some creativity in being able to do the writing even for technical writing. Yeah. And then there's things like creative planning, like brainstorming solutions and even engineers and I have worked with engineers for 25 years. You don't really think of engineers as a creative group, but they absolutely are. That's what engineering means. They have to overcome obstacles every time they do a job or design a job. There are different obstacles that weren't there before, and they have to get creative within that engineering framework on how they're going to overcome the obstacles. Well, I was thinking also, like engineering, don't people that um, design and build roller coasters? Yeah. There's a 
there's creativity in that. Oh, absolutely. Or, or different aspects, you know, of, of things like that, theme parks and, you know, a lot of people don't think about engineering when it comes to that, but that is well. That is so that. ironically, and not this is a little off topic, but I think it falls in a, in a bit. But ironically, um, because the firm I work for actually does uh, theme parks, that's where there's an absolute marriage of true artists and engineers. Because when they build like a land, and I don't want to get into some of the projects we've done, yeah. but when they build like a land, the artists sketch all this out. They work with the architects. They get it all sketched out without any inkling for how you're going to get things in there, like air conditioning and water and, Yeah, they're just looking at the cool stuff. But engineers have to come in. And I I was actually on the design side way back when we did a project that was very much artsy, not a straight line on the site. And the engineers had to figure out, it it took a lot of creativity to figure out how we're going to get that sprinkler head up in that thing that's shaped like a, you know, an alien or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty good example yeah. of how that ties in. Um, cool. anyway, I found the whole thing to be interesting and, uh, and it's, uh, you know, it, it, whenever I hear about programs like this, the steam or the STEM, it's exciting to me to read the, the sort of, um, measures that the educational side of all of this with our kids, the, the, the sort of the measures, is that the right word? The measures they'll go to, I wanted to say. Yeah. The links or oh, there we go. Yeah. The links they'll go to the, um, it's interesting, the links that they'll go to, to make learning about this stuff actually work because you can't just write this on a board or hand out a paper. There's a certain amount of interaction, a certain amount of structure that has to be built yeah. around teaching this way. And I'm sure this is a very hands-on program Absolutely as well. is. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would view it as. And I'm just curious how many schools are, you know, um, incorporating this into their curriculum now. I would be curious about that too. Yeah, and I, that's probably something I should have looked up. Yeah. We'll, we'll look it up anyway and just see, cause that's a, that's a really cool program. Now, if they would have had this when you were younger, do you think you would have? Oh, undoubtedly. And I don't yeah. know that they didn't. I, I don't know when this was born. Yeah. It, it seems like it's a newer thing to yeah. me, unless it was in schools, maybe it was in more private schools or, you know, Bigger cities or bigger, something. Yeah, I bigger don't know. cities or something. Not Sounds sure. very interesting, though. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Well, um, of course, my side of this is going to be health related. Of we course. all know that. So I was thinking, you know, we we talked a little bit about distractions that kids have during the interview, and yep. you know, do, does Angel find that kids are you know distracted because of electronics and stuff like that? And I was just thinking, health wise. Um, a lot of kids aren't eating properly and it's probably most. Yeah. And it's really no fault of the parent. We're on the go, right? Eat some cereal before school, whatever. Like, let's just get you out the door. It's always such a struggle in the morning. Sure. I remember with elementary age kids, they're picky eaters. You remember. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or they just, you know, they don't want to get up. They don't want to put their, they want to wear their underwear to school, whatever, (laughs) (laughs) whatever drama it may be in the morning. It's hard getting them out the door. But I think for parents, to help teachers, you know, cause they're with our kids all day long. Sure. We aren't, you know, when it comes to school season, um, to help the teachers, how can we get our kids started on the right foot right when they walk in the classroom door? Well, that's by feeding them properly. Um, it'll help them concentrate better, um, focus just to learn better all around. 
You yeah, know? indeed. I think the trick is, and maybe this is where you're going, is how do you have something, lost my voice, how do you have something that, you know, I remember when mine were little, it was a matter of time divided by food. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. this has to be quick for me to make, or you yep. have to be able to make it even when they're little. So some of the best kind of brain foods that we can feed our kids are omega-3 fatty acids. I won't get into all the details of them, right? but I'll go over some of the different ones that we could incorporate in the morning to make it easy and fast and get out the door and we'll be sending them to school well-equipped sure. to, to concentrate. Um, and antioxidants are another thing. Talk about that. Right. And then healthy fats, which your omega-3s are too, but three things. Right. Three of my favorites are going to be berries, especially blueberries. Right. I call them the brain food. Um, avocados, healthy fat, keeps you full. Also um, helps with your brain health, keeps your brain healthy, keeps your blood flowing, la, 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 go on and on and on. Right. Um, and omega-3 fatty acids. Now, usually you find those in like fish. Yeah. Kids aren't going to be eating fish in the morning, but we can include things like flaxseed and walnuts into their diet somehow. Right. And that'll help start them off really great for the day. Sure. And the way we can get all these things into them in the morning is through a smoothie. Kids love smoothies. Oh, that's a great yeah. idea. So I was thinking I could maybe post um, a recipe for that. Oh, in the show help. notes. Yeah, in yes. the show notes. Great but, idea. Yeah. So I would love to throw like an avocado. You throw some greens in there because they're never going to know. Because once you put the blueberry in there or the strawberry in there, it turns it pink or blue. They never know the greens are in there. Yeah. You just don't let them watch you making it, parents. Okay. <laughs> this is the key. Um, and then we throw some um, flaxseed. I like ground flaxseed because it's already kind of activated the oils in there yep. or walnuts in there. And um, you throw some almond milk, whatever. Well, it sounds great. You I, know? you know, I, not to sound like a man child because I, I don't eat terribly, but I can tell the audience here from what you've done for me, I don't really like greens. I've learned as a result of, you know, us eating yeah. clean. I don't notice it when you put that stuff in there. No, you don't. So yeah, you could call They're it hidden. something different for you. can name it something fun for the kids. Yeah. And, and you know, my recipes, I like to come up with fun little names. Sure. Like, uh, yes, hoda pesto. Ah, hey. Well, like, what's it called? Yeso de pesto. Oh, yeso de pesto. That's nice. Yeso de pesto salad. Very nice. <laughs> so, but, you know, not only helps them to focus, to concentrate more, um, omegas help them help their memory. Right. Even as we get older, people, we need these in our lives. I need more. Yeah. It actually helps your mood as well. I so that it. bad mood that they're in in the morning because they got to wake up early and get oh, ready, yes. this can kind of help level that out. So this, you could almost name this the you're not old enough yet for a coffee smoothie. <laughs> almost. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, and these also have healthy carbohydrates and fiber in them. So it helps them keep full throughout the day. So they're not going to get be hungry or have that Before sugar lunch. crash. Yeah. Right when they get to school. We all remember. That being cereal lasts about an hour. Absolutely. We remember being in school, at least I'm assuming you guys do, because I totally remember being in school young and starving mm -hmm. before lunch, just starving, even though I ate breakfast. Yeah. And I don't know how, I know they're a little more lenient with snacks in school, but I know they're still careful because of all the allergies that are around, but yep. I really, you know, I'm a big advocate of parents should be sending snacks and they should have 
you know, snack in between breakfast and lunch, yep. one after lunch and PE or whatever, yep. and then another one by the end of the day. Sure. Kids I think that need depends to be fueling the, the brain. Yeah, I, I know you're right. I just think as far as school rules, it probably depends on the school, yeah. sadly. And they should be having water in class. I mean, it's just if you want them to concentrate. So the schools need to be working with this too, yeah. not just the parents. They need to be fueling the brain throughout the day. Yes, I agree. I think so. it's a great idea. So we'll put a link in the show notes to one of Angie's famous breakfast smoothies. Mm-hmm. That'll be great. I'll so, change the name too so that you can trick your kids. So it's more kid-friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. So I also wanted to mention as we are wrapping up that next month, that being September, because we're recording in August, next month is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, as we've mentioned before. And we would like to continue to raise money for childhood cancer awareness, and we want you to help us do that. So, God, I have to take a big breath. I can't (laughs) stop talking. So we want you to help us do that. So instead of sort of just asking for donations and, you know... We've been doing a little bit of that on social media, and it's there's a weird fine line between feeling like you're sort of... um, marketing to your friends Mm -hmm. and trying to get everyone to kind of pull together to help something that's very important. And I know before I got involved in trying to do this kind of thing, I used to get mildly annoyed at the donate buttons all over my Facebook wall. So I try to be cognizant of that. Um, What we are doing here on the show is we are doing several giveaways as it relates to this. So all you have to do is go to Alex's Lemonade Stand website. That's alexslemonade.org. That's A-L-E-X-S lemonade.org. There is a donate button right there. Donate a dollar, donate a thousand dollars, donate whatever you can. Take a screenshot of your receipt and email that screenshot to feedback at fineandangie.com. That's it. It'll literally take you less than five minutes, and then you're in the contest. So far, we have t-shirts to give away. We have restaurant gift certificates for places like Tijuana Flats or Garibaldi's and Apopka. We have gift cards for a local chiropractor at a $220 value Mm. each. We have uh, other organizations that are now donating... more prizes to our prize test that we're going to announce soon. We've had companies reach out to us and say, I want to be involved. So we will be mentioning those prizes as well as the companies that are helping us with some of that stuff as well. We have a Google Home Mini, my personal favorite prize right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like uh, one of the Amazon devices where you can say, okay, Google, and turn on my lights or what's the weather like or read me this or whatever. Um, so that's one of the things we're giving away. Prizes are going to keep growing. We really want to raise as much money as we can here. And please don't feel, I know I felt like historically I've only got five or 10 bucks to donate. It's not worth it. It absolutely is. As our friend Elena Rawls will tell you, every single penny counts. So we really want to raise as much money as we can. And a lot of the time that happens through a lot of very small donations, Right now, your chances of winning a prize are very high, and we'd like to see more and more people donating. So, again, alexslemonade.org, donate, take a screenshot, send it to feedback at fineanddangy.com, and you're immediately entered. At the end of the month in September, we're going to be doing a drawing live on Facebook, and we're going to give away all those prizes. Yeah, and... 
do a little reading when you're on that website so that you can see where your do- donation is actually going, what your donation is going towards. Great point. And, yeah. and we talked about that in, I think, our second or third episode ever, but uh, there's a lot of websites out there on our website, on our website, if you go to the information station and you go back to, I think, our second or third episode, there's a lot of links in there that will tell you how to validate whether or not the charity or organization that you're looking to donate to is really going to be yeah. applying that money because you do want to check that kind of thing. There's a lot of, of scams out there. There's also a lot of uh, would-be organizations that will copy the name of another mm-hmm. organization, which is why it's very important to go to alexslemonade.org. There could be other sites out there calling themselves Alex's yeah. Lemonade Stand. And I think normally when it is a true nonprofit, um, it will be .org. I believe is what that, they that could be the case normally too. try to do. Not always, I don't think, but normally I think that's what they, they try to do. I think so too, but we do want to hear from you. Yeah, guys. So give us a call, 407-490-3899. We would love to play your message on the air if you want us to. So if you leave us a message, just let us know. It's okay. Yeah, I, we would love that. And to be honest, we have gotten very few voice messages. I know people don't want to leave leave a voice message, but yeah. we want to hear your voice. We really do. It would yeah. be cool. And remember, feedback at Fine and Dangy if you want to send an email instead. But we always want to hear what you're thinking, any issues in your community that you think we should maybe focus on, um, questions, suggestions, or just to say hello. That's right. And remember our hashtag for this month. We're trying to get that trending. So hashtag month of teachers. There's very few of those. There is very few. This is the first hashtag we found that's really not used much. So maybe um, post a story of your favorite teacher or your kid's favorite teacher. You know, just something about a teacher who's made some kind of impact on your life or the life of your loved ones, maybe. And, And then also... Don't forget all social media, fine and dangy. We're easy to find. We are. And if you have not done it yet, subscribe and like us. That's right. And write a review if you want. We've we've seen a few more come trickling in and we're very thankful for those. And yes. uh, yeah. And one time, one more time, I want to mention, this will be the last time I get a chance to mention this, that Fairytale Misfits at Mimi's Community Theater in Mount Verde. That's Mimi's Community Theater in Mount Verde. That's playing Friday night at 8 p.m., Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I'm sorry. Friday night at 8 p.m., Saturday night at 8 p.m., Sunday at 2 in the matinee, 2 p.m. Last weekend to see it. Really funny show. Yes. We'll put a link in the description for how you can buy tickets there. All right. I think that's it. That is it. And don't forget, at the end of the day, it's, it's all, all fine and dandy. Thank <laughs> you.